usually we pick a college coach and uh, we talk about, Dan talks about if they were to lose all jobs coaching and their only option was to manage a restaurant, what restaurant would they manage? And as I said, we usually go with college coaches, but today we're going to go to the National Football League and we're going to talk about a coach who's been in the news, the news media. Dan, Mr. John Gruden's going to have a tough time finding a job in the near future. So if he wants to manage a restaurant, what restaurant is best suited for John Gruden? We know he has connections at, at Outback and at Hooters, so he's got a lot of options. Well, Tom, you are a smart man because you have the correct answer. The answer is Hooters, Tom. Um, Hooters is delightfully tacky yet unrefined, much like John Gruden. Hooters was innovative a long time ago, but has since been sort of copycatted and improved on, as in Hooters is now not as good as, say, Tilted Kilt or Twin Peaks or many other uh, knockoff establishments that have the same titillizing appetizers and various options. John Gruden would, <laughs> would definitely fit in very well at Hooters. Um, a little bit out of touch. He's been around for a while and he's offensive to some people. So therefore John Gruden Hooters 2022. I had never heard of twin peaks. Uh, we, we, we got one here in Phoenix or at least a couple. There's one. We're next to Arizona State's campus. Take a guess why they call it Twin Peaks, Tom. It's I, because of the mountains. We got a lot of mountains around campus. That's why. Twin Peaks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, week seven of the Take the Points College Football Podcast. I'm Tom. I'm here with Dan and Ryan out in Arizona. They're avoiding the black widow spiders and the javelinas out there in the desert. And they're here to talk about college football. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to throw it to Dan this week to start. Give me your reflections on week six. We had a a really nice week of college football, including a massive upset. But um, what do you want to talk about first? It was an amazing week of college football. Um, God, so many things happened. Well, First off, Alabama lost, which was uh, incredible. Um, hats off to Jimbo and A&M and everything just just, just sort of um, came together for them. Uh, Alabama had some issues in the red zone, scoring touchdowns, and their defense got flagged for way too many penalties. And uh, when you play in front of 110,000 people at 8 o'clock at night, um, weird things happen. So... Hats off to a and uh, Have to give credit where credit's due. Um, Iowa-Penn State. Penn State seemed to be in control of the game, and Trace McSorley got hurt, and they had no chance after that. Iowa, honestly, was not impressive. Um, I watched the whole game. I didn't feel like they were as good as what people said. Um, I feel like Iowa will be upset sometime between now and the end of the season. And then you have the Oklahoma game against uh, Texas Longhorns, unbelievable. Um, hot start. Uh, alleged Heisman front runner Spencer Rattler gets pulled. Things are looking great. And Oklahoma storms back and scores a touchdown in the last play of the game. Oklahoma scores 35 points in the second half. 
And uh, just an incredible week of college football from the Texas game being early and then the Penn State-Iowa game after that, the Alabama game after that in a row. It was like nine and a half, ten hours of just incredible football. So it was one of my favorite weeks of college football I've watched in a long time. Dan, I'm going to ignore the fact that you referred to Sean Clifford as Trace McSorley. I'm going to throw it right to Ryan. Ryan, your <laughs> your thoughts on last week? Uh, well, I guess my season-long prediction that Spencer Rattler would get benched. I called it last year. I was a year off. I called it again this year, actually, too. And I was right. I was listening to... Um, a podcast with um, Trent Dilfer and he had both of those guys at elite 11 in different years. And like, that's his, like, you know, that's his baby. Dilfer's obsessed with elite 11. And so he was on this podcast and they're asking him like, well, what's the difference between the two? You had them both in a pretty you know intimate setting. And he's like, look, Williams just wants to win everything. His he wants to win the huddle. He wants to win over every teammate. He wants to win every rep. Like he's just all about the team. Everyone loves the guy and he's got ridiculous arm talent. He's like Rattler. He's like, he knew where the camera was always, always. He's like, he talked openly about like using football to like get into other things and do other things. And, you know, all that he's like we saw that when he was in high school like he was already that kid he's like so he's like there's just no way you can go back to him because all the team like the whole team loves Williams they're like they just there's no way they can't and uh I I thought that was really interesting like you know pretty unique perspective of a guy who was uh pretty up close and personal with both of them in in, I think back-to-back years so that was interesting to me I think I have a lot of thoughts on that. First off, I want to say that, Dan, the three games you mentioned, which were three tied for games of the week, which all could have been the game of the week any other week, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, Penn State, Iowa, Alabama, Texas A&M, those all happened in a row. You, you had a noon game, you had a midday game, and you had a night game. So you could watch all three. That This week and those three games were the ultimate argument for why college is better than NFL. And if anybody yeah. watched those three and then watched any NFL game from the last two years or any day of NFL, like you'll never find a day of NFL as good as that. And so I don't think there's any argument, but I still hear the argument made once in a while. Oh, pros got better talent. You know, college isn't as good, etc. Like if you watch the product and you consider it an entertainment product as I do, then how can you ever compete with that? You are correct, Tom, uh, 100%. Um, and, you know, those were just a couple of games. How about Ole Miss, Arkansas, 52-51 with a two-point conversion trying to win it? Um, oh, yeah, that. The game that would have been the best game in of the year in NFL was, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that one on this college football day. Just absolutely incredible. Really, really was. Um, yeah, college football, once again, is triumphant. 
Yeah, you remember like a few years ago, the Chiefs played the Rams when they were both really good and there was that like shootout game and we still remember it years later in NFL lore. And we're like, oh yeah, we have two or three of those games every single weekend in college football. Um, But the other thing I want to talk about is Rattler. Um, I don't, I, I, it's going to sound mean if we say it, but like, is he the all time Zach Mills award winner? Very possibly. Yes. Uh, I mean, is is he in consideration or is this a different circumstance? It isn't quite, uh, like, you know, technically the Zach Mills award winner, but he he is, he, he has some characteristics of a Zach Mills award winner. Um, he so is let me, Dan, before you go, let me, for anyone who hasn't listened to this podcast for nine straight years, the Zach Mills award is for the, we give it out each year to the quarterback who came in the best as a freshman and slowly declined over the rest of his career. Accurate. So this is, he you, can, you consider he this can't different? win it this year, but if he transfers to like university of Arizona and goes four and eight, <laughs> then he's the alt. Then we rename the award potentially to the Spencer Rattler Award. That's I love that. How is it possible that six weeks ago this guy was talked about as a number one draft pick, and now you're talking about him transferring to the University of Arizona, not even Arizona State? Like he can't no. c- couldn't make the cut on the Herm squad. He's got to go down to Tucson. No, Jaden Daniels is way too important. His mom's buying plane tickets for all the top recruits in Florida. Like, they can't bench him for Rattler. Like, she'll rat him out. So they're already under enough investigation. So do you think, I mean, we talk about Arizona, and you seem to think that's the likely spot. I mean, couldn't he go to, I mean, I I joke about Penn State. I mean, they've they've got an opening, as we can discuss later but they're, they're going to be wide open at quarterback next year, but there's got to be plenty of teams like, you know, a Florida state or something that seem like better options than Arizona. He will go on the West coast because he's from Phoenix and he, you know, took a chance going to Oklahoma. It's not going to work out. So he'll transfer somewhere out here. It could be like, uh, Cal San Diego state, um, you know, Washington state, maybe, or Washington, something like that. But I think we'll see him in the PAC 12 next year. Would you Un- still think of him unless as a the, unless prospect? the lane train gets involved. If the lane train has ideas, that's True. a possibility. Yeah. That's All- that seems perfect to me. A career resurrection under lane. In that offense too. That makes a lot of sense. Lane or Pac-12, those are your two options. Or you can go to, like, UCF and play for Malzahn or something like that, maybe. But, like, most likely Pac-12. Cincinnati will need a guy. He's not going to Cincinnati. It's way too cold. Freezing. Yeah, it's sad when you're a fan of a northern team like I am that you can just rule out almost everyone south of the Mason-Dixon just for weather purposes. Tom, it's a high of 73 today, and I am in full sweats. It's a high of 75 today here in Connecticut, actually higher than Arizona, and I was wearing shorts and T-shirt and, like, sweating. My daughter was like, I'm so hot, Daddy. Shivering. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, Dan, I I mean, you'd been in Arizona a few years, a 
couple years when I got married, you hadn't been there that long, but we had, we got married in late April and you came out and I thought you were going to like die of hypothermia. It was like 48 degrees. That was, uh, like that was honestly one of the most cold I've ever been in my life. I mean, once you get acclimated to Arizona, anything under like 80 gets chilly. And if it's in the forties, just forget about it. Like you can't even move. It's worse than like minus five growing up in Camillus. Um, so yeah, speaking of lane, I told this to you guys, but I would like to state it publicly here. Um, Tennessee, you know, they're doing all right, but the program's kind of not on the right course overall. The trend line overall is flat or down. USC is a complete disaster, and now the Raiders are a complete disaster. Alabama beat down Lane and then lost the next week to Jason Calzada. I think that something has happened this year that has opened a Lane curse. I want to get your guys' take on what was the inciting event that set off the lane curse that had been brewing for years? I have no idea, Tom, but that's a really great theory because it, because it's hundred percent true. Um, I'm not sure. It might go back to um, his very cool father, Monty Kiffin. I needed to go and do some research on this, but dude, how can you argue that that's an amazing theory? Every place he's touched has, has turned to dust afterwards, but it all kind of, most of it happened in the last, you know, month. So I'm thinking like somebody opened a box somewhere, like a dusty box with a Tennessee logo on it. And it set out, it unleashed a curse. I think you're right. It's a, we'll the take the points podcast will, uh, will be on top of this. Also, uh, take the points lore, Dan. Uh, Kim Kardashian hosted Saturday Night Live last week with, uh, you know, all of her sisters and mom and stuff. And um, the Kardashian curse that you might remember from a few years ago never really came to fruition. I feel like we need to follow up and apologize for that. Well, I'm not sure, Tom. Um, Kanye's music has not recovered. Um, He's not the same Kanye as before. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the other um, Kardashians involved with pro athletes. It's to be determined how their careers will, will uh, transpire, but I'm, I'm still holding out that the Kardashian curse is real. Oh yeah. Tristan Thompson's crazy ass is still running around trying to get a contract. He's, he's Lamar Odom 2.0, unfortunately. Um, Lamar is Lamar 1.0. He's still around. The thing I realized, which I'm actually kind of proud of when I was watching that, uh, I watched that whole Saturday night live and you know, there are many, the whole thing was basically like cameos by other Kardashians and Kardashian, Kardashian associated people. And it was all jokes about their family. And I probably understood mm, 12% of it, which felt good. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't know who half these people are. I didn't know that one of them's dating Travis Barker from Blink-182, apparently. So I'm I'm happy to be at an age where I'm completely checked out of all of that stuff. It's great. Same. College football only is my only like reference to pop culture these days. I just know one of them dates NBA guys, so and that's the only one I kind of know about because she dates Booker here in Phoenix. So 
other than, and I don't even know which one she is, but I just know one of them does. And that's all I really know. That's more than me. Uh, anyway, let's get into a, a Kardashian free look at the college football lines for week seven. Dan, kick us off. <clears throat> all right, Tom, here we go. Right off the bat, Homer game. Clemson at Syracuse Friday night. Clemson laying 13 and a half, total 44 and a half. Clemson has eclipsed. Uh, Clemson has only scored 21 points is their high output of the year against FBS teams. Can you take Syracuse in 13 and a half in this game? I mean, I think that's the only option unless you want to go with an under. I don't think you can lay 14 with Clemson against anyone. I do think, I mean, if you look at the body of work, the Clemson defense still seems to be uh, well above average, maybe not elite, but they're, they're a pretty good defensive team. So uh, I, I think probably an under is a good bet under 45. I don't love the number, but that's the way I'd lean. And then I guess a, a slight lean to Syracuse. They're at home. They've been keeping it close with teams. You know, they just played a, played a tight game with the best team in the ACC wake forest. So if they can hang with them, they should be able to hang with, you know, fifth best team Clemson. Right. I mean, Vegas is still off or, you know, Vegas is never off, but the public is still off on their perception of Clemson. I think which explains this line. Like if Clemson was just named, you know, South Carolina tech university, like I feel like this line would be maybe five. Ryan. This is the year of the field storming. Everyone's doing it. It just feels right. I think this is the year that Syracuse finally does it. They knock off Clemson in the dome Syracuse in the under. I don't think I'm courageous enough to take a money line, but I would take the points, hook it with the under. I think Syracuse has a chance to pull this out like 22-19. It's pretty good. Yeah, um, I am going to agree with you guys. I don't think you can lay 13 and a half with Clemson's offense, uh, seeing they've only scored 21 points against an FBS team. Syracuse is going to run the ball with Schrader. The clock's going to move a lot. I am not going to wager at all on this game. I'll tell you that right now. 100% stay away, but I will watch and be entertained. Let me add a couple things. Uh, number one, you know, this is the new dome. I don't know if you guys have seen, but they've got like new lighting. They did the new roof. I, I could be wrong. I think they have air conditioning now, which is huge that the carrier dome after like 40 years finally got air conditioning. Um, but, it, you know, it's a new era in uh, the dome and possibly a new era in Syracuse football being um, average instead of way below average. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but the other thing, I want to throw a monkey wrench into this. Like, if Clemson keeps playing the way they're playing, DJ's got to get pulled at some point, right? And then all bets are off. Like, maybe Clemson will be good. I kind of like that theory. Um, it's hard to argue with it. He's been terrible. I don't know who their backup is or how good he is, but I I assume he must be, he's not some chump off the street, as we say. You would think. All the backups transferred when Trev was there. Like every Mm -hmm. guy that signed there got there, saw Trevor, and they're like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, the one guy's at Northwestern right now, shit in the bed. 
I have no idea what's going on with Clemson. All I know is he has three passing touchdowns, and it's mid-October. And uh, you can't win in college football with three passing touchdowns through well, how many games they played? Five? I mean, that's that's horrible. That's horrible. You played Georgia Tech, NC State, an FBS team. I mean, come on. There's no excuse for that. This is Clemson, so. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I think Air Force's quarterback has more passing touchdowns and they run an option. I don't want to insinuate that he is the the sole problem for or the sole cause of their team. I mean, they're they're down at all the skill positions. Their receivers aren't as good as they've been. Uh, Ross is not really the same Ross as he was. The running back position is is way down after losing ETN, and then obviously quarterback's going to be down no matter who you have after Trevor Lawrence. But at some point, you got to try something, right? You you can't just go through this entire season at this mediocre level and expect. Clemson coaches or Clemson fans to just be okay with that. And quarterbacks, the guy who always gets blamed. So I feel like he'll be slightly scapegoated, but you know, I do feel like they got to make a move at some point and at least see what you got. I mean, maybe it'll be a Penn state situation where you uh, see what you got and you have a lot more appreciation for DJ after that. But either way, I think it's time to try something and find out. I like it, Tom. All right. Moving on to Saturday. Um, right off the bat, we got UCF at Cincinnati, Cincinnati laying 21 and a half total 56 and a half. I'll start this one out. I love Cincinnati in this game. Uh, UCF's starting quarterback is out as is the backup quarterback. There's two games, um, this week where that uh, is true. They are not good. Cincinnati is fantastic. They know that America knows UCF as a normal, you know, power team from a mid-level almost. Mm. And this is going to be a style points game. I don't trust Malzahn. Lay the 21 and a half. Z? Z says pass. Ryan? Agreed. Yeah, I, I like that one. All right, moving on. We got Michigan State at Indiana. Michigan State laying four and a half at Indiana. More quarterback issues. Indiana's quarterback, Michael Penix, out for this game. Last year, Indiana went to East Lansing and beat Michigan State 24 to nothing. Now Michigan State shows up in a revenge spot, looking like a really great team. It's still underrated. Go ahead, Tom. You love the Big Ten. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – the opposite this year. Um, Indiana is not as good. I mean, they were a little overvalued last year, they, but they did have a the running back and uh, another great receiver. And with Penix playing at a high level and, you know, some early breaks, they just, they got some momentum and it was just a, a really nice season. This year, they're just a little off and uh, the rest of the Big Ten's way better, including Michigan State. So, uh, Indiana, when they've played good teams, they haven't scored much and they've lost big. So they got shut out 24-0 against Penn State a couple weeks ago. When they played Iowa at the beginning of the year, they lost 34-6. So when they play these types of teams, it seems to be low scoring and um, they they lose handily. So I think we're going to see the same. It's at Indiana, so I'm going to downgrade it a little bit. And Michigan State's not as good as Iowa or Penn State, but... I'm still going to say 27 to 12. Um, I think Michigan State minus four and a half and an under hook is probably the best pick. 
Brian, you got anything to add? I think this line is two, at least two points off. I think this should be at least six and a half. Um, dare people to take Michigan State with a touchdown on the road, and uh, I would take that gladly. So, Michigan State. This is actually my favorite play of the whole week. I think Michigan State smacks them hard. Uh, Indiana with the backup quarterback. They're going to get absolutely smacked around. I think this line should be more like nine and a half, honestly. So uh, I'm going to go Michigan State play the week right here, which is always scary taking a Big Ten team on the road as your play of the week in the early game. But I feel like that's the right play. Yeah, I, right. I agree with you. I just I do want to say that like Indiana's backup quarterback is no slouch. He is He is pretty decent. I just think Michigan State is clearly better as a unit, as a whole team. I think we'll see that for sure. Um, all right, next game, Oklahoma State, undefeated 12th-ranked Oklahoma State out of nowhere, travels to Texas, Longhorn slam four, total 59-and-a-half. Ryan, won't you start this one? I wish I had something good to say, but this is a total stay-away game for me. I have no feel for Oklahoma State at all. I, have, I don't know if they're – Good, not good, decent. I I really don't know. And Texas, like after that game, like how can you put anything on Texas, like not knowing if it's going to be a total letdown spot? It's still a rivalry game and all that. And I know Oklahoma State hates Texas because they're leaving for the SEC. But like, I just don't know the motivation level. So this is a total stay away for me. I actually am a fan of the over in this game. I think uh, 60 or 59 and a half is too low. Texas's defense has some holes. They, they can score some points, big plays. I'm going old school on this, over 60 in this game. Z? No, I mean, I feel like Oklahoma State's due for a loss. That's about all I can say, but I don't know. I don't know how Texas is going to play. I, I mean, gun to my head, I think I'd go Texas in this spot simply because I think Oklahoma state's overrated and Texas probably underrated at 25, but the line is four minus four, four Texas. So it's one of those games where Vegas knows Vegas knows better than the AP poll. All right. Another early game, Auburn four and two Auburn travels to four and two Arkansas, Arkansas minus four and a half total 54. This is an interesting game. Z you want to start this one? I mean, I'll keep it quick. You, I think you could literally toss a coin on this one. Like, I think this is the most even matchup of the week and everything's right on, and I would absolutely not touch it. Ryan? If it was under 35 and a half, I think I'd still take it. So, under for me. Got it. Uh, no clue. Um it's just really tough to take Arkansas on the road or sorry, Auburn on the road. Hard to know what Arkansas is going to be like uh, coming off of a couple of losses in a row. I think this one's a stay away, uh, but it'll be a fun game to, to keep an eye on for sure. All right. Another early one. My God, it keeps going early. You have to wake up early here in the West coast for this upcoming Saturday. Florida travels to LSU, Florida minus 11 and a half total 59 and a half. There's a lot of injuries on LSU. Not only is their all-pro uh, corner Stingley out, as is their number two wide receiver, their number one wide receiver, who's a freak of nature, is going to go in the first round. He's also out. 
got offensive line injuries. It doesn't look good for Eddie O and company. Uh, Florida, you know, hasn't been, you know, incredible, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you can take LSU in this spot. I think Florida smells uh, a chance to shank some Ed. LSU loses this game. They drop to three and four. What do you guys think about this game? Um, I just, I don't have a pick, but I just wanted to pull up LSU's schedule because I think this is worth noting. You know, you talk about Ed being on the hot seat, but, um, you know, a few weeks ago, they barely beat Mississippi State. And then since then, um, 24-19 loss to Auburn at home. And then they went on the road to Kentucky and got doubled up 42-21. Now they have Florida, which um, is going to be real tough. Um, but, you know, perhaps they could pull something out and win, but it doesn't look good. Then after this game... They go to Ole Miss, to Alabama, well, bye week, to Alabama, Arkansas at home, and then uh, Louisiana Monroe, and then uh, Texas A&M. So they might lose all those games except uh, UL Monroe, and I don't think UL Monroe is that great this year, but even that's not a given. So what's that like? six out of seven or five out of six losses potentially. And this LSU team could finish with a losing record. I think that's very much in play. Oh yeah. I think Ed, Ed is going to be unemployed within two months. I feel like this team's going to win four or five games this year. And that's just unacceptable coming off a national championship. This is Auburn with Cam Newton all over again. You had a star quarterback and an elite offense win a national title and it does not look good. Um, I'm going to take Florida in this game. I'm going to lay the points and see if they can uh, end LSU, but who knows? Maybe there's some, uh, you know, magic down there in new Orleans. You never know that Rouge. How to say, all right. Another early game, A&M at Missouri, A&M minus eight and a half. AM coming off obviously the big win over Alabama, Missouri with maybe the worst rush defense in the history of the SEC. They're Why could that terrible. be, Dan? Why could that be? Because they hired uh, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes as the defensive coordinator. We tried telling you this week one of the season. Some people just can't coach and add him to the list. So, um, Hmm, let's see. AM, that's offensive line. That's Isaiah Spiller. Uh, I feel like they're going to run for 400 yards. And I know this might be a letdown spot, but I'm never taking Missouri here. I like AM to win this game by three touchdowns. Tom? No, I mean, I, I just think Wilkes, you know, uh, I just read an article before we started recording that uh, UConn will not be dropping college football and not be, um, you know, going down to a lower division. That's what they say at least. And the coaching search has officially begun, Dan. So, you know, Wilkes might have a shot. What do you think? Why not sign them up? Let's do this. Anything, you know, I don't think they're on the schedule this week. Anything you want to say about your husk, Dan, after they lost to uh, UMass quite handily and then, uh, one in five UMass fans stormed the field to beat the worst team in America. 
Well, see, this is why laying three and a half with UConn on the road against anyone was a bad idea. Um, UMass is still a bunch of losers. That being said, UConn's playing Yale this week. There's not a line posted yet, but there will be a line. And I will send you guys a text message when I find this line um, on the uh, on the various websites here in Arizona. They will post the uh, FBS lines on Friday or Saturday. So once I get this UConn-Yale line, I will inform you and we will take Yale. I've, um, I've, I've had a realization about UConn football, which is that – you know, if they beat Yale and then they lose the rest of their games, then it's another crappy season and we all forget about it and we laugh about it and within a year or two we forget about it. But if they can lose this game and lose out, then this might be a, a tin cup moment where it's so awful that we remember it forever, Dan. So I think as a UConn alum, you know, me living here, we actually might want to root against UConn. Because the only way they can, you know, be epic and have a legacy that lives on forever is, you know, through defeat at this point. Well said, Tom. They're the worst team ever, but uh, it is entertaining, if nothing else. You think UConn this year could beat one of those, like, leather football helmet teams from, like, 1902? Like, 1902 Army versus 2021 UConn. What's your line? Army minus 14. They got a tough run game, you know, since the forward pass had not been invented. It can't get worse than, than, than uh, this UConn squad. As I'm scrolling the internet right now for a line, the... Uh, if this is single digits against Yale, Dan, I'm going to lose my shit. I can't find it. Just hang tight. Look for a text message later this week. It'll be entertaining. I assure you. All right. Um, all right. Moving on to some more more important college football games. We're going to the 1230 Western uh, Pacific time, 330 East Coast. Game of the week, Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia minus 21 and a half. Total 44 and a half. Oh, my God. Uh, Ryan, start this one off. Take the points, baby. Tinder team, go big blue. Just dismantled LSU last week. And, uh, you know, I think things are looking good for them. And uh, I think that's just too many points. I'm not going to take them on a money line, but that's just way, way too many points. I think Kentucky can run the ball. They can keep it close. I think every gadget play that they have in their playbook that they worked on in camp is coming out in this game. So expect this to be interesting. Uh, if you can get like a defense special teams prop, go ahead and bet that because uh, not only do I think Georgia's defense is ridiculous, but I think Kentucky's got some crazy athletes and, you know, they could break a special teams play, you know, return a kick or something. So I like uh, Kentucky in the points a lot. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Um, I mean, I think Georgia is the best team in the country, so I certainly wouldn't go, go against them on the money line. I wouldn't be that bold. But Kentucky is the real deal. I mean, for people who haven't really watched them and who have just seen the box scores and maybe think that, like, 
I don't know, they had a great week against Florida or LSU's no good. Like they, they're a good team. I mean, they already had SEC talent on defense over the last few years. They've got a tough offensive line. They have what I think might be the best running back combo in the nation with Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke, official take the points player of the year, 2022, 2021. And then obviously Will Levis. Let me tell you a little story about Will Levis. You know, uh, another game where Sean Clifford got injured at Penn State a couple of years ago, they were on the road against Ohio State and they were well overmatched. The Penn State team was, you know, talent wise, nowhere close to this Ohio State team. And then Sean Clifford gets knocked out. Will Levis comes in and played really well and actually got them back into the game. I mean, they, they were never within like, you know, a score or anything, but I think they lost the game 28, 19 or something like that. And he played really admirably against a really tough Ohio state team. This was a team with chase young on it a few years ago. So there might've been a Bosa. I can't remember, but it was like, you know, reminiscent of this year's Georgia. It was like a a really, really good team. And he, was not afraid, did not back down, ran, used his body, you know, laid at his health on the line. And now he's surrounded by, I think, better talent than that Penn State team a couple of years ago. And uh, I don't think he's going to be afraid. I don't think the Kentucky team's going to be afraid. I think the Kentucky team's well coached. I know it's amazing to say that about a Stoops, but he's, he's number one Stoops in my mind forever. And uh, I mean, Georgia's I mean, Georgia is just really great. I mean, maybe this line reflects the fact that everybody thinks Georgia is just dominated, but this is the best team they've faced. Georgia's number one. We know how Georgia and Georgia fans feel about being number one. Like they're not familiar with that territory. And there's a, I think a trepidation among people in Athens about being ranked. Like they would have loved for Alabama to just stay there until the sec championship game, I think. But you know, now they're on the hot seat and I, I just like the way this sets up for Kentucky. It'd be better if it was at Kentucky, obviously, but I don't know. All signs point to Kentucky keeping it close, in my mind. I'm going to agree with you guys, uh, especially if um, JT Daniels is out again for Georgia. Um, I don't think their offense is that explosive under um, Stetson Bennett. You know, um, if this game was in Kentucky instead of Georgia, I would like Kentucky a lot more. Obviously, it scares me that Georgia defense is freaky good, um, but that's a lot of points. Maybe Kentucky holds them to 27 and Kentucky scores 13 and it's a cover. So um, I'll take Kentucky small and close my eyes and try to watch the game like, like oh, please, God, just, just cover. But I, I think Kentucky's the right side. I think, Dan, you nailed the 20. I was thinking 27-17. Same 27 is, is Georgia's max in this game. And I think Kentucky can get 13 to 17, 23, 13 or 27, 17. One of those two. I agree with you. All right. Uh, moving on. We got Miami at North Carolina, North Carolina laying seven and a half total 63. Miami quarterback Derek King out for the year. Backup quarterback for Miami also out for the year. We have the third-string quarterback in there. Miami played Virginia last on September 30th. They've had a week off in which there was a fight that broke out at team practice. There was a players-only team meeting. The whole staff is getting fired at the end of the year, and Miami has quit on the season. 
UNC, UNC scored 62 points on them last year. They ran for over 500 yards against Miami, 500 yards, those two running backs. UNC coming off a loss last week. And I feel like this is a woodshed in the making. I think UNC is undervalued at 3-3 three and three this year. Uh, I think Miami is a big-time name, so people are excited to take the points with them. But um, I think this is going to be a woodshed. I really like North Carolina to destroy Miami by a lot of points this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I second that. And uh, all I know is Uncle Luke's not happy. And when he's not happy, I go against Miami. That's right. Ryan, you got anything to add <laughs> to that? Yeah, I do, Dan. I was uh, you're, you're saying that this whole coaching staff is getting fired at the end of the season. Well, hang on. I, I think I hear something. Oh, no. <laughs> Folks. Oh, no. Oh, I, my goodness. I hear a plane taking off. I've Wait been... just a second, Dan. He's not making it to the end of the season. <laughs> Ryan, you don't know how happy this makes me. Because we have the return of the tarmac report. Clap, slow clap, slow clap. I, I had no idea this was coming. I'm very excited. All I would ask is that uh, if anyone hasn't listened in a long time, please explain what the tarmac report is before we get into this. Well, Tom, as funny you should say that because as you were mentioning earlier about the Lane Kiffin curse, I think the this is where it all started was the tarmac in Phoenix. And basically the tarmac report is which coach is most likely to get pulled off the team plane and fired on the tarmac. So we make a list, top five, most likely. Pretty obvious list right now. We've already have to uh, had said goodbye to Mr. Clay Helton, but that will not dismay us. We will move on, and we're going to start in Tom's beloved Big Ten at number five. Brett Bylama, <laughs> you got shut out by Wisconsin at home. This god-awful Wisconsin team that can't beat their own JV team in practice. And you got shut out. Your time is over. Coordinator at best. O-line coach most likely. Okay. Another person who was mentioned earlier. (laughs) Tom, you were all over this going to lose out most likely except for maybe one game those voodoo curses those aren't going to save you now coach oh you ain't going to make it to the end of the year there's a good chance you might make it to the Alabama game in which case you're going to get shang sung by your daddy so I think Ed's going to try to get fired before the Alabama game <laughs> which would mean he which would mean Nick, after he Ole want, Miss he doesn't want Nick to take his soul so if Lane wants to be the next Alabama coach then he needs to learn how to shang sung properly we got an opportunity here okay equal opportunity we got to get out of the power five and get down to the to the lower levels. We're going to go down to the once proud 
betting bowl game lock of the year every year, Arkansas State, you were always so good to us. And that loser, Butch Jones, has just ruined you. Just an unbelievable take-the-points favorite, Arkansas State getting ruined by that clown. No more. He doesn't even deserve to be a coordinator at this point. He's terrible. Head coach. God, he's bad. He's got to go. Can't even enjoy the January 6th uh, GoDaddy or Tax Slayer Bowl anymore. Oh, the Tax Slayer Bowl was the best. You were done with college football and you're like, no, no, no. I'm watching that. It's great. Okay. Enough messing around. Back to the Big Ten. It's a pretty obvious choice. Keeping it close against two ranked teams. Moral victories don't work. You're Nebraska freaking football. You can't keep your job just because you kept it close against Oklahoma and Michigan. You just, you're terrible, Scott Frost. We all wanted you to succeed. We all did. We all, when he got hired, were like, yes, let's go. Get it back. He sucks. He's overrated. He's got to go. Sorry, Scott Frost. You aren't going to make it to the end of the season. Coming in at number one, he's already living in the retirement community. He might have to retire for a year, do some remote work for ESPN, maybe the ACC network next year. Manny Diaz, I'm sorry, man. You are awful. You've ruined a once proud franchise. I call it a franchise because you can actually pay players legally now. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't there bags of cash just in random freaking Mercedes around town? It's just, it makes no sense to me. He's awful. He took control of the defense and it got worse. It's just, sorry, Miami, you deserve better. Uncle Luke deserves better. South Beach deserves better. World Tour D. Wade deserves better. He won't even bring the World Tour back to South Beach until your ass is gone. The people demand more D. Wade. Manny Diaz has got to go. There it is, folks. The return of the tarmac. Very good. That's a lot of weight to put on Manny Diaz's shoulders. Maybe we can get like Will Smith involved. Like maybe all the Miami greats can come together as like a council of elders and figure this out. D Wade, Will Smith, Sly Stallone. But they all still have to go to the ultimate decider, Gloria Estefan, the real queen of Miami. Who would be your, um, who would be your Miami council of elders? Gloria Estefan is the ultimate D Wade is number two. I'm counting because I, I think you'd have five, right? If we're going by the five families. Uh, Fair uh, enough. Isotoner Dan, number mm-hmm. three. Uncle Luke, yep. number four. Agree. Pitbull. And, oh, pit, yes, absolutely. Pitbull's got to be yes, on there. Mr. Worldwide 
is also and, there. He's everywhere. He's got a green screen that just travels with him on his back. He straps on a backpack with a green screen behind it. Great, so great. he'll be there. Yes, there's your five. That's really good. I think if we spent like five days trying to figure it out, I don't think we could come up with a better list than that. All right. This is, we've got like five running segments now this year. We got another <laughs> one coming up with Dan, but the tarmac's back. The, the choose your city council of elders might be a thing we have to do later on this year. I like it. <laughs> All right, Dan, more games. And then I want to get to my other favorite segment. We got a special one this week. All right, Tom, we're going to go back to college football and we're going to take a look at the class of the ACC right now. Pitt Panthers at Virginia Tech, Kenny Pickett. Listen to these numbers on the year. 121 for 168. Like, he's only got 47 incompletions for 1,730 yards and 19 touchdowns. We we joke about it. He's going to be in the NFL. Um, Oh, I'm not joking. I know. He might be starting for the Steelers next year. I'm excited. That's my call. Starting quarterback for the Steelers by week six next year. Great. I'm all for it. Um, He'll be a a fourth-round regional pick. Pitt Panthers, minus five at Vitech, total 56. This is a game that Pitt should cover, but with Narduzzi, this is a game that they always find a way to win by just three. So I'm going to stay away from that. I will take over 56, though. Uh, Pitt games get out of control. We saw that earlier this year when they went on the road to Tennessee. Um, For some reason, I just feel like there's going to be points in this game. So I'm going to take over 56. Tom, what do you like? I don't know who's going to win, but I'm going to make a prediction that one team will score exactly 56 and that the final of this game will be 56 to 52, one way or the other. All right. Sounds good. Brian, you got anything to add? Uh, if this game was played at night, I would take the points. It's an afternoon game, so I'm going pit in the over. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, speaking of night games, we got Alabama on the road at Mississippi State. Alabama link 17, total of 58. Um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier about Georgia, Kentucky. Did you know Kentucky? has only had one game in the past three years where they have lost the game by more than 17 points. That's pretty impressive. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty good stat to uh, take 21 and a half. Anyway, that being said, Alabama coming off the loss at Mississippi state, you would think Alabama would just naturally uh, return to form and smash Mississippi state. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, I think Alabama's past defense isn't that great. Mississippi State's going to do air raid and they're going to throw it all day at them. Mississippi State actually has a good defense, surprisingly. You wouldn't think that with the Mike Leach team, but they do. I'm going to stay away from this game completely. You guys, uh, Tom, you got a pick on this game? Yeah, totally disagree. I think Alabama is going to take out all their vengeance from last week on Mississippi State. They've been known to do this after a loss. Uh, if I was a better researcher or host, I'd, I'd look up past years when they lost and what they did after, but just going off memory, I seem to recall them. You know, it's not a position where you want to be is to play Alabama after a loss. So it is in Starkville, which helps, but man, I think Alabama is going to destroy them. Alabama is going to run the ball 65 plus times in this game. 
Mississippi State's just gonna have too many three and outs with their with their offense. And if you just get just like thirteen play drive where they run it ten times and they just do that two or three times, like you're just you're done. I don't care if your defense is good, like you're just you're gassed. You have nothing left. Very possible. Uh, I'm still going to stay away, but looking forward to watching that one at night. Kind of an interesting spot for the scheduling there. Alabama back-to-back road night games in the SEC. They might have pissed somebody off. It is uh, funny right, they put them at. Uh, it's funny they put them at number five. Just for like yeah. a split second, they're like, let's get them out of the top four and see how people react. Right. You're actually 100 percent right. We know they'll be back, obviously. Truth. Um, all right, another one for you. TCU at Oklahoma, another night game. Oklahoma minus 13 and a half, total 64. I like TCU. Um, Oklahoma still isn't covering, uh, you know, a whole bunch of large spreads. TCU dropped like a thousand points on Texas Tech last week. Over under 64. Give me TCU and a hook in uh, like a 39-36 type game. So uh, that's my pick. Brian? Yeah, I agree. Take the points, take the hook. Uh, I don't like that Lincoln Riley canceled all media um, availabilities at all press conferences until after the TCU game because a student reporter got into an apartment building that was like a public building that overlooks the practice field and was like, watching with binoculars and tweeting out like that Caleb Williams was taking the first team reps and like it got to Lincoln Riley before practice even ended. And he's like, we're done. We're not talking. I'm not doing any, no one's talking to anyone. I'm not talking to anyone. I don't like that. If you're going to believe in your guy, believe in your guy, come out and be like, you know what? He deserves first team reps. He's getting first team reps. We're going to see what he can do. But I don't like the way he's playing this. So I like the, the points in this all right z nope sounds good well here we go night game Ole miss of tennessee this is the undercard of the week in the must watch game Ole miss minus two and a half total 83 good god uh i'll start this one i'm still taking the over uh Ole miss allegedly had a good defense that's not true. If Arkansas scores 51, Matt Corral and company are scoring points over the place. Tennessee's been playing high-scoring games. Look, you can take an, an under 83 just on principle, but it's no fun. This is a night game. It's going to get crazy. No idea who wins this game. Epic shootout. This could be 52-49. Take the over and have some fun. Z. Yeah, I'm a little less convinced about the idea of Tennessee having a high-scoring offense. You know, I, I just wanted to look it up to have the numbers in front of me. But 45 against South Carolina, 62 against that awful Missouri defense. But when they played Florida, they only put up 14. 56 against Tennessee Tech, 34 against Pittsburgh, 38 against Bowling Green. So they haven't... You, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying we don't really have the evidence. The only time they really played a legitimately good defense in Florida, they put up 14. So uh, I know that Ole Miss is closer to pit defense than they are to Florida defense. So 
maybe we're thinking Tennessee still scores a lot, but I, I just want to halt any um, insinuation that Tennessee's offense is good. I do not think Tennessee is back, so to speak. No, but I think they actually, I think they kind of have an identity now. Like I think Tennessee, like offensively, I think they actually have an idea. Like they know what they are. And I think that actually is a positive that at least play calling wise, they know who they are and they know what they need to do. So, you know, 55, 35 still is, is well over way over. And like, that's not even an unrealistic score at all. So for me, I love Ole Miss the lane revenge game going back to Rocky top. He's going to be throwing clipboards. It's going to be great. So for me, I love uh, Ole Miss. I love the over. I mean, I'd take the over if I had to pick just because it's no fun to take an under with these kind of teams, but I guess I'm just not as sold on Tennessee. I mean, if I were a Tennessee fan, I would be happier than I've been in whatever, 10, 15 years. I mean, you've, you've got uh, a good transfer quarterback who beat out your other good transfer quarterback. You've got a promising coach perhaps. So there's reason to be excited, especially given the last decade. But I, I just want to temper that a little bit. You know, we've seen with Texas and others, like people start to think, oh, maybe they're back. Maybe they're on the upswing. And it's it's always, it's never a straight trend line. There's always ups and downs trying to return from, you know, a decade of being obsolete. So good for Tennessee, but it's going to be a while before they're back to where they want to be. All right. Uh, I think this might be the final game that we, we talk about. Arizona State at Utah. Uh, it is a straight pick em. Spread 51 for a total. I like Arizona State a lot. I think they might be the best team in the Pac-12. I know Utah just uh, won at USC, but USC is a fucking mess. Um, Arizona State in a pick em. It's a nice spot. You don't have to lay any points. You know, Arizona State had uh, just one game that they lost that was at BYU. Um, they had something like, like I want to say, like, like uh, I think it was like 16 penalties. They had some issue with, like, one of their coaches used to work for BYU, so they had to change up, like, how they call all their plays with different terminology. And even with all that stuff, they only lost the game by three points. So I think Arizona State's actually pretty good, and I think Utah is just a 500 team this year. I think you'll look back at the end of the year saying this, this line should have been ASU minus, like, seven. So uh, I'm a big fan of taking ASU on Saturday night. That's my second favorite pick of the week. Ryan, what do you think? I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I'm, um, it's We talk about it every year on Take the Points. To go to Salt Lake City and win at Utah is just really, really, really hard to do. It's freezing there already. It's, you know, going to warm up here in the next couple of days back up into the, the high 80s. But I don't know. I just think it's a really hard place to play. I think Arizona State is, God, they're boring to watch. I dozed off at halftime during that game Friday, woke up, the game was over. I was just like, I literally slept through the entire second half and didn't really miss anything. Like it was, they're just boring. Utah's got a, you know, always got a good defense, great coach. 
I think if you're going to do anything, take the under in this game. And uh, that's the play for me. The pick em is probably close. I, I would lean Utah because they're home. But uh, for me, the play is the under. All right. Uh, that brings us to the end of the lines, I think. Dan or Ryan, anything you want to say about this week's games before we uh, close out with one of my favorite segments? Um, there was one game I forgot to mention. Um, we got Purdue at Iowa. Purdue getting 12 and a half. Oh, uh, yeah. I like Purdue. Um, I think this is a letdown spot for Iowa. Iowa's um, corner got hurt in the Penn State game with a non contact injury, so he'll be out. Purdue's always good to scare the hell out of one team a year. I wasn't really impressed with the, the Iowa offense one bit last week. So I'm going to take a flyer on Purdue plus 12 and a half. Bonus pick. You think that Purdue can stop Iowa's fast-paced, high-octane <laughs> offense? So bad. Iowa's offense is so fucking terrible. They're so good. They're so fast that Penn State had to fake – multiple injuries, including knocking <laughs> one player out for the entire year and knocking out their starting quarterback and thereby losing the game to slow down this offense. So good that uh, they had four captains go out and not return. And ja- Jaquan Brisker, their best player, had to sit out a couple plays just to slow down this really great, really fast-paced Iowa offense. Truth. That was a crock of shit. Yeah, they're they're whiners. Iowa football is like um, high schoolers who just got wasted the first time and like don't know how to handle it. It's like they yeah, they've never been this good and they're like, oh, what do I do now? What's going on? Where am I? I'll tell you. They have a hard time with Purdue the following week. That's what this Iowa team does. I would not be shocked. I'll take a I'll take a Purdue first half line too. Probably get more than a touchdown. Uh, one, we keep bringing it back to our, uh, Tinder team, Kentucky, but like we, we keep talking about Levis and, uh, smoke and those guys, but we haven't mentioned, uh, Wandale Robinson yet. Who's been having a really nice season, the, the transfer over. So, but you know, their, uh, gain of course is, um, the loss of the big 10. I, I think that I, I enjoyed watching him play and uh he's, oh he's going first round yeah i think he's i think he is yeah that just occurred to me as we're talking big 10 like i, I want to give him credit too before we go into this game because he seems to be the the forgotten guy in this kentucky mix um it's true anyway uh i i mean i don't think purdue's good with all due respect to your your phoenix boy at quarterback um i think iowa can win this one i'm i'm eyeing Believe it or not, I think Nebraska is going to knock off Iowa right at the end of the year. Okay, then. That's the one I've got pegged. And then Ohio State's going to beat them by 50. I got one more question, uh, college football related. Who the hell is going to win the Heisman Trophy? Oh, the question that we answered last week, and now we've completely probably changed all of our picks? Yes, accurate. I actually feel good about my pick from the beginning of the year, which is CJ Stroud. I feel like it, it's a bit of a win by attrition if it happens because other guys just keep falling off, you know, and Rattler obviously was the the huge favorite and that ain't happening. So I'll stick with CJ Stroud. Um, eight to one. Eight to one. He's the third odds. Bryce Young, then Corral, both two to one. Then Stroud at eight to one. 
Kenneth Walker, the third running back, Michigan State, 14 to 1. Bijan Robinson, 20 to 1. He's not winning it, unfortunately. Cincinnati quarterback, Desmond Ritter, 20 to 1. And no. then who's number six? That's right. Kenny Pickett. Pitt, 35 oh, to 1. Fucking yeah. That would be awesome <laughs> if he won. If he won, it would be so goddamn funny. That's going to win the ACC, and they were 100 to 1 before the year. I knew it. If we get if we get a hit guy and like someone from Wake Forest in the final three final five of Heisman voting, it would be so funny. There's never been a better time to just give it to Jordan Davis and have a defensive player finally win it. Eighth overall odds for the Heisman Trophy. This is how bad it is. Anthony Brown from Oregon. Oh no! I'll tell. Let me just go through these quickly. So. um, can you read that, read through it quickly one more time? Sure. We got, uh, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young and Matt Corral, both two to one. Okay. So I'll, got, I'll just hang on. Let's just do like one yeah. or two at a time. So Bryce Young would be, if he wins it, it's a win by default because there yeah. just was nobody else. I said that, you know, I like Robinson better as the engine of that Alabama offense when they're playing well. And then Corral, I mean, his win would just be a, a numbers thing, but he's certainly in it as much as anybody. Yes. Uh, then you got CJ Stroud at eight to one. Yeah, I already talked about him. Yeah, and Kenneth Walker the third at fourteen to one. Okay, so Walker he is not winning it, and the reason is because they still have to play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. And if they somehow got through all of those, then they'd have to play Iowa. Um, so there, there's just no way. I mean, they haven't faced the real tough part of their schedule yet. Even though I do think he's good, like. He's way overvalued right now. All right. Next, you got Texas running back Bijan Robinson. Again, I don't think their team is good enough. Like, I don't think Texas is is good or prominent enough for him to come out with all the other guys we mentioned. All right. Then you got Cincy quarterback Ritter. Yeah. I mean, schedule again. Like, he could win it, but it would be, uh, again, a win of attrition where everybody else just fell off. I think the only chance he has to win it is if they go undefeated and no one else goes undefeated, right? Like if he's the undefeated quarterback there at the end and it's one loss Bryce Young and one loss CJ Stroud, that'd be the only argument, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. And, but those guys would also have to have some bad games and not have enormous numbers or maybe they just cancel each other out. Yeah, this is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, then we got Kenny Pickett at 35 to one. Well, he obviously deserving, but you know, ever since Bino passed away, the media's anti pit bias has kept them down. <laughs> then we got Ohio state running back Trevion Henderson next year. He's, he's, and then he got, he's really excited. Okay. He's like, he's got like Reggie Bush vibes, but he's just too new, too young. And CJ Stroud have, has massive numbers this year. And the last two people to round it out are Pac-12 quarterbacks, Jaden Daniels and Anthony Brown, both 66 to one. Uh, I, I don't know much about Jaden Daniels. I don't watch Arizona state football, but uh, Brown, if Brown wins, you, you can just stop the Heisman. Right. So I think, I mean, all of us are in agreement that if you had to bet it today, you'd take CJ Stroud at eight to one. Yeah. With Corral right there, as long as they keep winning and he puts up those kind of numbers. But I, I mean, it's insane that Jordan Davis isn't on that list. 
what if Kentucky beats Georgia and it's Will Levis all of a sudden? Should we, should we take him? I would love that. At least give him an invite. I mean, he's the most entertaining guy in college football, but Kentucky is um, a run first team. So, and they have two guys who split carries. So put it out there. It's, you know, numbers wise, it doesn't work out, but he's going to win the MVP of my heart. I love it. All right. I think that's it for, uh, do you have Ryan, do you have thoughts on that? I picked Matt Corral when he was 33 to one in the summer. I still think it's going to be Matt Corral. I think they're going to score 50 plus every game the rest of the year. He's just going to put up just outrageous numbers. And who doesn't want Lane on TV more? Bring him to the ceremony. It's going to be hilarious. So I'm going to stay with Corral. I'm going to go with Stroud as two and Pickett as three. I like it. True. All right, Tom, I got something to ask you. Yep. We got important music news. Lead singer Smash Mouth retired. Now, the mm-hmm. final concert was in upstate New York, which was only about an hour away from where you went to college in Poughkeepsie. Is this a coincidence? And what are your thoughts on Smash Mouth's arc over the past 22 years or so? Now, I have not prepared for this much as I don't prepare for anything we do. Um Obviously, I know the news of Smash Mouth, but I don't. I didn't know where the final concert was. It was in where Albany. No, it was somewhere in the Catskills in that general region. I forgot the town, but I I did look it up on maps and I did directions from that town to Poughkeepsie, and I was like, "This is in Tom Z's wheelhouse. I got to ask him about this." All right, I somebody, feel like this, there's a Z I'll, effect here. All right, I'll start answering, and but if somebody can look up the exact town then maybe I can, you know, give you some information on this town because I'm pretty familiar with the whole Dutchess County area. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so Smash Mouth was obviously big when we were in high school. That's Walking on the Sun. But I feel like they really peaked with, you know, All Star, which would have been, you know, what, senior year of high school, early college. Um, in the time of your life when, if a song is popular, you hear it all the fucking time. So, yes, Ryan, all the time. Dude, it was, yeah, he was, it was outside of Woodstock. It was in Bethel. Oh, Bethel. Okay. Yeah, so, which is like Saugerties, Woodstock area. Okay. It's the original Upstate Woodstock. New York. Not, not on the Griffiths Air Force Base. Because that would have explained it right away, the, the bad energy from Griffiths. Um, I, I mean, I think, first off, I think, you know, the, the peace and love vibe of Woodstock is too low key for Smash Mouth for their frenetic energy. And it probably, the uh, magnetic fields in the air probably threw him off, and put him into a, a haze. It could have also been doing lots of drugs. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter because Smash Mouth has had one of the weirdest music careers of all time. They had... Um, Walking on the Sun, which was like a weird hit, but had some level of credibility. Like I remember being in high school and thinking like, it's not the greatest song ever, but it's a legitimate modern rock hit, you know, not unlike a a soul coughing or whatever. Um, Don't you, don't you. I know Ryan's going to get mad. I'm not Um, saying. Don't you dare put them in the same category. I, I am 
stylistically, I'm saying. They're no nowhere near as good as uh, Super Bon Bon. Super Bon Bon was like the fifth best song on that album. That album was great. Back off. Super Bon Bon. Circles. Um, that was the other album. That was El Oso. Should we just talk about soul coughing? I feel like I could do that. I can. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll go first, and then you can tell us why soul coughing is so far superior to Smash Mouth. But Smash Mouth then went to All Star, which is basically a joke song. And then they had that song from Shrek, right? Or was the All Star in Shrek? I can't remember. I, can't, I get it. No, confused. that was the Monkeys cover in Shrek. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they had that. They had a cover of, of uh, like, Why Can't We Be Friends at some point. So they just became, like, a weird, like, bar band-type tribute act, except they happened to be one of the most famous bands in the world, which is kind of like how Van Halen was for a little while, where they're basically, like, a cover band, except they fill stadiums. Um, so they had that. And then they disappeared. And then I don't know. I really don't know how it happened. Maybe you can fill me in, but it's a combination of nostalgia and internet memes. They sort of made a comeback where young Gen Z and young millennials like them now. And so even though they haven't had any songs, they still kind of are around and known and in the news in a way that far superior nineties bands never were. So I feel like, um, the one achievement of smash mouth is like, they really, they really were able to find that spot where they were bad enough to be like a lasting joke, but not bad enough. Like say Baja men or Macarena to be like completely unlistenable, like a joke that you could listen to and secretly be like, "Eh, it's all right. You know, kind of like a, you know, a one week by bare naked ladies or something like that. Where you're like, Oh yeah, that song sucks. Let me put it on and listen to how much it sucks. Anything to add about Smash Mouth? I, I this is a good time to go because they're not. There's no. There's no more positive in the future for Smash Mouth. Like just end it here, and you'll have you'll have had a very good run. I like it, Tom. Well said. Smash Mouth. That's it. That's all I got. Unless you want to hear my uh, special character, woke John Gruden. But I please like- go right ahead. Let's keep All it going. Right. I wrote something down. I figured we could put this at the end and then if it ends up being very bad, we can cut it out, but I'm losing my voice. So I don't know if that helps the impression or makes it worse. Helps. I gotta, I always got to practice John Gruden. I'm the coach. I was the coach of the LA Raiders. He still lives in like 1991. So I just con- continue to call him the LA Raiders. Listen, men, I've had a rough week, but I want to tell you about my life. I've learned a lot and I've changed over the past few days. I'm now woke. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a little disappointed that people in the fake news media wanted to tarnish an otherwise great career. You look at those emails from Goodell and others. It looks like I'm being railroaded, much like... Black men in America are railroaded by our unfair criminal justice system. (laughs) I'm also, I'm also a little peeved that I had to lose my job. You know, I worked hard and built a successful organization and it was all taken away from me. 
Just like the Tulsa massacre of 1921 took away Black Wall Street from the black community in Oklahoma. Completely unfair. You know, folks, when I grew up in America, we didn't talk about race in this way. It wasn't about black and white. It was about red and yellow, the colors that the 1930s Homeowners Loan Association used to segregate communities through a process known as redlining. That's what really gets my grill. Now, you know, you know why I love the National Football League, Danny? I love the fresh-cut grass. I love that crisp autumn air. Most importantly, I love the competition. You put a bunch of men out there on the field, smashing into each other, and the best man will win. Completely the opposite of American society where a, I'm losing it. Where a man's zip code is the best determinant of his future success. <laughs> so yeah, I'll miss being part of the National Football League. But do I think I can bounce back from this? Well, in the words of my close personal friend, former President Barack Obama, yes, we can. What do you think? Running segment or we'll retire that one forever. <laughs> Much like Gruden, Running I think segment. we'll, ret- we'll retire that forever. I like it. I had to cut out Long some of the other Gruden. woke John Gruden. The only thing that was hilarious about all those emails was that he called Roger Goodell a clueless anti-football pussy, which is <laughs> like the best three-word insult to rip Roger Goodell I've ever heard in my life. So hats off to him for that comment and obviously horrible job and everything else. Very bad job. Yeah, that's but how I felt reading them. That's how I, I felt. Go ahead. I'm going to use that line for the rest of my life. I will be describing various coaches as clueless anti-football pussies. I might have to wait a year to let it cool off. Yeah. People won't like know what I'm talking about, but like two years from now, when I drop it in two years, on take the points about whatever coach. I want you to remember where it came from. <laughs> I felt the same way. I read that New York times article and I'm like, Oh my God. That stuff he said about people is horrible. I can't believe he's so homophobic. I can't believe these racist comments. How could a guy be so stupid to put these horrific things in email? He is right about Goodell, though. He is right about Goodell. He is. Clueless. A plus. A plus line. Very, very funny. Very, very funny. You got to give respect for respect. Listen, too. a broken clock is right twice a day. Yep. Anything else you want to add, or shall we sign off? It's been a long episode. I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more wacky characters and beloved segments. Someone else's skin is a white man living in the Southland, just like you.